Hello, my friends, and thanks so much for joining us here for another episode of the Carolina Ultra Runners Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lloyd. My guest today is Colleen Drehos. Colleen is from Randolph, New Jersey, and she recently made the trip down to Mount Pleasant to race in the Raven 24-hour, where she was the only one who walked away with the ultimate prize that everyone at that race was hoping to walk away with, and that is a 24-hour Team USA qualifying distance. Colleen finished with 130.67 miles, which placed her as the top woman and second overall, only finishing behind Pat Hassler, who got the win, but unfortunately, his 133.45 miles was not enough to qualify for Team USA since the men's requirement is 145 miles. Still just a great showing uh, for Pat and also for Colleen putting on an absolutely spectacular performance. I can't wait to talk all about it. Colleen, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. So let's hear about how you got into the sport. How did you begin your life as a runner? Oh, geez. Um, so I grew up as a soccer player um, and I tore both my ACLs playing soccer in high school, one like junior year and then the next one senior year. And when I tried to get back to playing soccer after that, I was just not as good. <laughs> I wasn't as fast anymore. I wasn't as quick. Um, so I was like, I I'm an athlete. I need to continue to do something, um, you know, athletic, some athletic endeavor. And uh, I had always loved running as part of soccer and it kind of just slowly worked my way up. I think I probably started doing like some half marathons, um, started on trails because I was like, nobody likes to run on the road, like, and no one wants to run around a track. <laughs> that's, that's real boring. Um, and so I started doing trail stuff um, and just went, worked my way up from Mar uh, half marathon, marathon. I think I did maybe two 50Ks. Um, and then I jumped right from 50K to 24 hour, um, which was really just, I don't even know, just a weird fluke getting into 24 hour. I was in um, physical therapy school and we had to do some, some interesting project about like, oh, find some crazy goal that you want to do and try to get this person towards that goal. And I was the guinea pig because I found this 20, this local 24 hour race and uh, decided I should sign up for it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was my introduction into this world, maybe almost 10 years ago at this point. I think that was 2015. Um, and then I kind of fell in love with running around uh, a one mile loop. <laughs> and uh yeah, so I've done it. I've done this one local race uh, twice a year, pretty much since then, and then have just kind of dabbled in a couple other things here and there. So I wanted to uh, see if I could hit that, you know, 130 mark, which I know now it's kind of like 125, but the 130 is like the, the mark that the qualifier has been for a long time. Um, and I wanted to see if I could ever hit that. And finally, I did. <laughs> so when did that goal come about that you wanted to hit the 130 mark? It was like, you know, this kind of pie in the sky thing for maybe the last like five years ever since I was like, oh, maybe I could actually be okay at this. And I liked it. Um, and then I, I am terrible at training myself. So I am, I'm a physical therapist and I tend to focus all of my time and energy on, you know, helping other people reach their goals. <laughs> And then mine kind of go by the wayside. Um, so I knew that I would have to hire a coach. I eventually started working with Zach Bitter like a little bit over a year ago. And that like made me really think that I could actually do it. So 
as a realistic goal, maybe in the last little bit over a year, but as this kind of like, oh, that'd be cool, <laughs> had been going on in my brain for a while. So I'm interested to hear like, you know, your life before Zach in terms of, you know, your 24 hour races, you had um, several, you know, 24 hours under your belt where you were kind of in the low hundreds there. And I guess I imagine like in your head, you're thinking, oh, I think that I can go a lot farther if I really dial in my training. And I guess that's where Zach came in. Is that right? Yes, definitely. Um, I'm kind of inherently a little bit lazy when it comes to training and I just kind of like, oh, I could go out and just do that and I'll get an okay result. But if I know, I, I know in my heart that if I want to get a better result, like I, I need to put in some mileage, I need to put in some actual training. And I won't, I won't do that without someone telling me to do it. <laughs> um, I love to run, but I'm, I'm just bad at sticking to like a plan. And, you know, previously I'd be like my, my long run for a lot of those races was probably like 17 miles. <laughs> Really? <laughs> and like 30 mile weeks, like really bad. Like, oh, wow. yeah, like, like recre like recreational runner kind of style. Just like, Oh, I'll just go out and try this thing. And then I'd, I'd get through it, but like, obviously I wasn't appropriately trained. Um, so yeah, finally started being like, I need to actually have structure and I respond really, really well to having people tell me what to do um, and to holding me accountable. <laughs> for things. So I'm like, yeah, if I'm going to hire you, like there's this, you know, monetary investment that I'm making and I don't want to waste <laughs> that. <laughs> and I know that you're going to be excellent at, you know, structuring my plan. And yeah, I just trusted that it would work. And he probably, so yeah, we was stuck in the low hundreds. I think my best before I started working with him was like 103. And then that first race together, I think I I went out a little bit too hard in training to um, just be like, all right, like, let's go. Let's put up some crazy numbers just, just to see what I can do. And it was dumb. And I was dealing with a little bit of an injury um, and kind of my training suffered a little bit because of that. So I think that first race was like 108, um, which still I was like, oh, my gosh, like I got a PR and my training wasn't even, you know, super duper on point. Um, and then got my act together with doing my own physical therapy with someone else telling me what to do. Cause like I said, I can't, I can't tell myself what to do. <laughs> um, and that next race, which was in like September of 2023, I jumped up to 120, um, which was like, Oh, <laughs> this is, this is it. <laughs> um, so that kind of made me see that I could do it. And with the 120, I actually like, I had a crew. So it's like having a crew is, game changer like beyond anything like I don't have to think about stuff you just hand me things and I go so it was like having my training be on point and then the importance of a crew is just like who like amazing <laughs> really, it can really, really save so much time um <sighs> when you were looking for a coach were you kind of coach shopping or did you you know were you looking at some different options there or did you kind of have Zach on your mind from the start yeah so I don't even, I don't even think I was really looking for a coach at the time. I was on some, like, I think I was on like the ultra running Facebook group and there was some thread about, you know, who do you have for your coach or who do you like as a coach? And like Zach's name came up and I was like, oh, well, 
I know that name. I followed all the stuff that he's done. Like, let me see what his coaching philosophy and everything is. And then, yeah, I think we did like console call or something like that. And I was like, I'm on board. Like I can deal with you telling me what to do. And I, you know, I trust your, your knowledge. And I like the way that he approaches things like very, it's very analytical and like very, you know, he's looking at the physiology. It's not just like, Oh, go run a little bit and see how you do. It's like, we are dialing things in like as much as we can. And that really speaks to my brain. So I, I appreciate all of the the details that go into things. Yeah. He's one of the most fascinating minds in ultra running, in my opinion, just the way that he, like you said, he's very analytical over everything. It's not just like, oh, here's an arbitrary number that you need to hit for mileage for the week and that's it. And tell me how you feel. It's like, it's very, everything is purposeful. Everything has a reason. And he's big also, I've heard on like in-run nutrition as well. He's he's all, you know, I always see stuff about him like eating his like six eggs in the morning and stuff, you know, like he's very, just his mind is fascinating. So pre-Zach, you say you're doing like, 30 mile weeks and you're still able to crank out, you know, more than a hundred miles in 24 hours, which is really an impressive feat in and of itself. (laughs) And then post Zach, what did your weekly mileage tend to look like? I I still am very, you know, low mileage compared to a lot of people. I think for this last race, I peaked at like 76. Um, Really? I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not putting in like double sessions or anything. I don't, I don't think my body can handle that, at least not, not at this point. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm doing maybe like 13 hours a week during like a a big loading phase. Um, and I'm running six days a week, but just not super duper high mileage and I'm not fast. So if I, if he has me prescribed to do, you know, a 75 minute run, it's not like I'm doing 12 miles in 75 minutes, you know? So my mileage is definitely on like the lower end, but that seems to keep me injury free. It keeps me fresh. It keeps me recovering pretty well. Um, And that has been really, really helpful to see that I can actually even get into the seventies. And I never thought I'd be able to do that. I thought, I don't know, something would start to hurt. Um, But being like, oh yeah, I'm coming off of a 70 mile plus weekend. Okay. Like I'm ready for Monday, my off day, but like, I I feel all right, which is cool. Wow. It's really interesting. You know, when I think of someone with an elite performance, like you had at the Raven, you're, you're kind of chuckling there, but trust me, it's an elite performance. I appreciate how humble you are, but it's, it was an elite performance. When I see something like that, my mind immediately goes to like, she must be doing hundred mile weeks. It's gotta be like, that's gotta be part of her regiment, but clearly not the case with you. That's actually really cool that you're able to pull something off like that without even getting to 80 miles a week. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've hit 80 miles a week ever. Probably maybe once I did a no, probably not even with that. I did like a, an eight hour run, um, that I wanted to hit like 50 miles. Um, so I'm trying to think like, maybe I did like 25, 30 miles leading up to that, that week, but probably not my, my, you know, race week is usually pretty darn low mileage. So, and it it works, it works well for me. Um, so, so yeah, I will, I will take it. And it's a little bit less time that I have to (laughs) kind of plan out in my, in my day. Yeah, definitely. Did Zach work with you on the nutrition stuff as well? Yes. Um, I kind of notoriously under fuel. Um, I am, 
I, I'm not someone who's used to being like, oh, if I go out for, you know, a six mile run, I've got to eat something beforehand or I've got to take a gel or something like I'll go basically coffee in the morning and then I can I can probably do something up to like an hour and a half without without having anything. It just it works well for me. Um, but obviously that doesn't translate into, you know, racing for 24 hours. You got to you got to be eating and drinking pretty much like from the get go, um, at least for me. Um, so we we dialed stuff in. I remember sometime over the late summer, he had me like, you know, we were trying to um, evaluate like my sweat rate so we could figure out like, okay, exactly how much, you know, fluid do we want to be able to hit per hour? So we were, we were kind of tracking that. So we got that value and then we were figuring out kind of like general idea for salt, <laughs> like intake. I never did like one of the like salt sweat tests, but that would be interesting to see at some point just for some more fun info. Um, but yeah, we, he got me dialed into where previously I'd be like, Oh, I want to hit, you know, 200 calories an hour when I'm running, but I would never, I would never do it because I'd just be like, oh, I don't want that much or I'm not thirsty or I don't know. I'm just bad at it. Um, but we have spreadsheets and we have everything laid out for like every single hour. Every single hour is pretty much the same, but it's just kind of like, this is the fuel. I, this is like the fluid I have to take in. And this is the fuel that I have to take in. And like, you just got to do it. Like, unless you're barfing, <laughs> you, you got to do it. <laughs> so it's just like kind of having the no excuses mindset of like, this is the plan and you just have to stick to the plan. Um, has been very helpful for me. What does the coaching process look like with him as far as like, is he, is he just like sending you training plans and like texting back and forth or emailing, or do you hop on calls with him? What does that look like? Uh, he lays stuff out pretty much like a month block at a time for me. So right now I'm, I'm off. I was like, I don't want any structure. Don't give me any, I haven't even run yet since the Raven. I'll probably do like a run walk tomorrow. Um, but I told him either next week, I might still take next week off from structure, but probably the week after be like, all right, he'll lay out a four week block for me. Um, and we hop on calls usually like every other week. And then we email, you know, back and forth kind of, kind of as needed. So that works really, really well for me. Um, I can fill him in if anything is weird. I can ask for adjustments to things if, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to hit this speed workout or this speed workout sucked. <laughs> <laughs> can I, can I do something a little bit easier or like if it sucked, why did it suck? Um, so yeah, there's a lot of kind of back and forth and he's very flexible with kind of like what I need or if I'm, you know, going through some, some like traveling or something, he'll adjust the schedule for me. So that's been, yeah. that's been great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier, you're a physical therapist and, um, well, I'm just curious. First off, you mentioned you tore both ACLs in high school playing soccer, which is which is awful, by the way. I mean, geez, I've never I've been lucky enough to never tear an ACL, but I've known some people who have. And that is not a fun recovery process. I'm just curious. Did those incidents kind of, you know, bring you into your role as a physical therapist? Did they play a role? <laughs> so. When I was doing PT, like I loved my physical therapist. I thought they were great. I think for that first surgery, I was probably in PT for like eight or nine months. Like it was long. Um, and I think the second one I was going off to college. So I think I probably did maybe like five months and then had to kind of 
just when I could get home, I would go to PT or whatever, but they were, they were great. They kept me motivated when I was like real sad about not being able to play soccer. Um, so when I went to undergrad, I remember I went back and I did a little bit of like volunteering with one of them and they had just opened their own practice. So things were a little bit slow when they just opened their own practice. And I'm sitting there just thinking like, is this what physical therapy is? Like, this is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> so I got away from that because I was just like, oh, like, I don't know, this, this might not be for me. It's not the same as what it was at this previous place, blah, blah, blah. Um, so during um, undergrad, I just kind of put that out of my mind. I did do like a, um, what was it? Like a sports studies and exercise science um, major. So like I knew, oh, I could do a lot of stuff with that. I could do PT school, PA, like med school, whatever, if I choose that path. Um, but I ended up going into like personal training for maybe like, four or five years after undergrad. Um, and then once I kind of got, I had enough of that <laughs> and was like, what else can I do with my degree? And I had like one more year before my prerequisites would have expired. I was like, now's the time <laughs> we need to apply to PT school. I only applied to one because if like, I was like, if I don't get in, then I guess it's not for me. Um, I got in and uh, yeah, here we are. <laughs> so now you, do you help a lot of runners? So I am a pelvic floor physical therapist. So mm. I see, you know, I see men and women. Um, I do have several runners that I see. I love working with my runners, um, but I don't like specialize in say, you know, orthopedic running stuff. If it's, if it's pelvic floor and one of their goals is to get back to running and they're not able to because of some issue with their pelvic floor, um, then I'm your PT. <laughs> gotcha. Very interesting. Okay, cool. Um, you, as you mentioned, when it comes to the ultras that you've done, you've kind of tended to focus on the 24 hour events. Why is that? What is it about the 24 hour events that you like? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I should have an answer to this. Right. Um, I, I, I picked them initially because I was like, I probably have to train for this. Like, I don't think I can just do nothing. You know, I can't just literally not run at all and then go run a 24 hour and feel okay. So like the fact that you do have to kind of like work for it. Like you can't just be like, Oh, I'm going to go out and run a 5k this weekend. And it might really suck, but like I can run a 5k, you know, with not much of anything. Um, but the fact that I actually had to try to focus on something and it just seemed like this just really strange thing to do. I would tell people that I was doing it and they were like, for what? <laughs> why, why are you doing that? I'd be like, I don't know. It's just, it's a thing that seems intriguing. And I like the, the, like the mental challenge, I guess, of it, of just most of them that I've done have been either a one mile loop. Um, there's another one that I've done that's been a 0.8 mile loop. Um, and just like getting into that repetition is really nice. I just kind of can go somewhere in my brain and I don't have to think about that much stuff. I don't know. It's, it's just really nice. Just be like, I'm just going to go do this thing for an entire day and not like let anything else really go in my brain. And if you want to have like a good performance, you can't really let anything else kind of go in your brain. You're just like, this is the focus and I don't care about anything else that's happening. So I, I, <laughs> I think part of it is probably like 
in my day job, like I am always on and I'm always having to interact and do so much for like everybody else that when I go to my 24 hours, I'm like, I'm shut off. Like I get to just zone out and it is like the ultimate me time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of ultra runners can relate to that with how crazy and hectic life can get. It's like, you know, if you're running a hundred miles, that's a day, sometimes more, sometimes a little bit less, just all to yourself, completely focused on you. That's, that's a really, uh, it's, it's precious time really. Yeah. It's a little, maybe a little self-indulgent, but like, I'll take it. (laughs) I like to have like, I don't have like a running, you know, partner or training partner or anything. Like when I go out and run, I'm every so often I meet up with one friend and we'll do like a long run, but otherwise like 99% of my training is by myself on, on like some local trails and, oh, I love it. (laughs) Good. That's great. Now, how did the Raven first get on your radar And what made you want to sign up for it? When did that? I followed it last year because I was like, ooh, what's this new cool race? Um, And then watching the performances from that year, I was like, this is intriguing. Um, And I knew that it was an invitational. So I was like, I don't don't have the chops. You know, at that point, I didn't have the chops to like get in. And I think still even with my... 120 I think that was still I was like borderline I forget what um they had as their like b standard um but I remember just thinking like all right timing wise this would fit in with my racing schedule I had done 24 hour at the end of September um I had continued on with like an eight hour in December which like I normally would be kind of like off but I was like oh well Zach coaching me like (laughs) I don't really think I can be off (laughs) I I need to like kind of keep going um and then I was just kind of riding this high from the September race and after the December one um because I had a 50 a a good 50 for me a good 50 mile split which was like 749 or something so when I had applied to the Raven um I ended up emailing them to be like does this split help? <laughs> Does this help my case? <laughs> like I, I hit the 120 and I know that's not quite there, but like, what does this do for you? <laughs> so I don't know if that, that, that helped my case. Um, but I knew just thinking like timing wise, it would work out really, really well. I wanted to try a track ultra just to see like, do I like it? Can I put up a nice number there? Do I hate it? I, I had no idea how I would feel. Um, And since I live in New Jersey, like South Carolina isn't the most major thing to to do. You know, it's not like we had to fly or anything. We were able to drive down. We ended up uh, like stopping in D.C. on the way. (laughs) So we didn't you know, it was it was kind of nice. And then we we spent it almost like a little vacation. Like I think we didn't leave like uh, Mount Pleasant until like Tuesday or something. So I had a little bit of kind of recovery time. But, you know, I said to my husband, I was like, oh, what do you think about doing like a slightly warmer weather February trip (laughs) if I I get into this race? Um, And he's like, it's not really a vacation if we're dealing with you racing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Not really, but still. Um, So, yeah, I think – I just, I knew about it from last year. And then timing wise, I was like, this would be pretty perfect. I could be, you know, peaking nicely for it. I don't have anything else on my radar right now until May. So I was like, that, 
that would be great. Um, and yeah, they let me in. So <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm, I'm there. And yeah, it worked really well. Um, the, the scariest part of it, probably oh, two scary parts is about 10 days out. One of um, my patients ended up getting sick with COVID and I had seen them and I was like, Oh no, mm. I'm getting a COVID before the race, but I didn't get it. I was negative. I stayed healthy. Um, cause that had happened to me before where I ended up getting COVID and I had like a week to recover before a race, mm. which really, really sucked. It was COVID and like double ear infection, sinus infection. Um, yeah, that sucked. Um, but there was the COVID scare, which ended up being fine. And then the weather forecast was terrible. Like maybe 10 days out to like five days out. It was like 24 hours of rain. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go all this way. And I'm going to run around this track <laughs> in like 24 hours of rain. So I was like, <sighs> kind of resigned myself to like, all right, well, it's going to be rainy. You just have to deal. I packed so much extra stuff just in case, even though the forecast changed, like I had multiple ponchos, <laughs> had multiple pairs of rain pants. I was like, I'm not going to go all the way to South Carolina and then like bail because, you know, I'm cold in the rain. So I was like, I'm going to be so prepared. Um, and luckily uh, we didn't need any of that. So oh, <laughs> that was a relief. Yeah, I remember monitoring the weather beforehand. I was like, oh, man, these poor runners. I really hope they don't have to do this. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it kind of held off, which is good, good to hear. It's so funny you were talking about the conversation between you and your husband about making the trip. That sounds exactly like the conversations I have with my wife. I'll just randomly be like, so what do you think about um, going to Lillington, North Carolina for a trip? She's like, where? Why? But she knows why. Yeah. You know, it's all, it's of course for a race. She's like, that's not really a vacation if you're just going to run for an entire day. It's hilarious. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, my husband is not, a, he's not a runner. He is very supportive of my, you know, running habit. Um, and he got, you know, wrangled into being a part of my crew for this, which I don't think he was really looking forward to, but he was a trooper and an excellent crew person. And I would try to, you know, kind of lure him into crewing me again, for sure. So it was him. And then one of my friends from Jersey, uh, her name is Linda, she had offered to come down. Um, so the two of them were like, magic. <laughs> they were great. <laughs> So let's talk about the race, how it went for you. We'll kind of go, um, you know, I guess we can go maybe like in in fourths or something like that. You know, you're the first fourth of the race or so, um, you know, you're you're chugging along, just running in circles here. You know, how are things going for you at the beginning of the race? So it was interesting because I knew coming in that like probably everybody was going to be faster than me because from the beginning of my 24 hour races, I do like a run walk strategy. So I just knew like, you know, everyone is going to go and don't get caught up because it's going to be really tempting to try to keep up with like some of these fast people. Um, so my goal, you know, for that first section was like, just, just kind of be like, be bored, like just make it easy. Just, don't work hard, stay on top of fueling. It should feel 
almost kind of like lazy, just like, okay, like we're run. I would, I did a run for 10 minutes and then I would walk for 90 seconds and like power walk, but you know, I'm still consistently taking these breaks. I had everything programmed into my watch. So my watch would just beep at me and I would do whatever my watch told me to do. So that was the, the running, <laughs> you know, theme throughout the day is like, if your watch tells you to do something, you just, you just have to listen to your watch. Like, and that lasted pretty far <laughs> towards the end. It kind of went off the deep end, but in that beginning, it was just trust the watch, like don't run too fast. I knew that I wanted my laps, you know, pretty much like under 230 for most of them. Um, and I think I was able to stick to that like pretty darn well. Um, but yeah, the goal was just like make it chill, keep with your fueling, make sure you're drinking enough. Um, yeah, it was, and it, it worked. Like I felt great. Like that, that for, yeah, like that first quarter of the race was like, okay, like I'm just relaxed. My, my husband said it was funny because he's like, some of these other races that you do, you know, by like four or five hour mark, like you're working your way up like pretty nicely in the standings because people will go out like really hard at some of these other things and then they just burn out and I'm just like chugging. Um, but he was like, not this time. You were like last place almost. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and that was a little, a little concerning. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to try to run fast. Like I, I, this is what I did in my training. Like most of my long runs, I ended up maybe once I did like four or five hour long runs, I would do like the run walk strategy, um, just to kind of train it for, for race day. Um, so yeah, that first section was just like, by the book, like pretty darn good. Um, easy. Um, yeah. Watching everyone pass me <laughs> just constantly constant stream of people like flying past me. And I'm just like, okay. And I would, I would talk to people every so often and we'd, we'd get into like a nice little conversation and then my watch would beep and I'd be like, sorry, gotta walk. <laughs> and they'd be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, just, you know, I'll walk. I'll see you around what I got to do. Stick to the plan. Um, so yeah, that, that pretty much lasted probably through like, I, I remember my first like kind of eh patch was maybe like 11 hours or so. I think I was probably getting a little bit low on fuel. Like I feel like Zach is always in my head. Like if you go through like, like a sad sack phase, like you probably just need some fuel. Like you're probably just low on something, eat a little bit, drink a little bit, and then like you're going to rebound. So like, you know, that your, you know, sad sack phase isn't going to last very long. Like you're going to come out of it. Um, which previously, if I got into one of those phases in one of my races, I would just be like, oh, well, I guess it's over. <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm just going to, you know, go put my feet up for a little while because I feel, you know, tired <laughs> where now it's like, okay, yeah, you're going to feel tired. You've been running for, you know, 11 hours or whatever. Um, so just recognizing like, what is that? What does it mean? You need to go probably eat or drink a little bit of something. And then like, I rebounded from that probably pretty quickly. I don't know how long I was kind of like eh, moping. Um, but then I don't do music or anything for like the first, I don't think I took my headphones until maybe like hour 13 or so. So that whole first half is just kind of like, you're just in the zone. You're just chugging out some miles and you're just sticking to the plan and trying not to like just empty mind, 
trying not to think about much of anything. My crew is, you know, they have my gels open for me. They have you know, them holding out. I just have to go into lane three, go grab them. They have all of my drink out. And then every so often I would just want something different. And I'd be like, oh no, like give me chicken broth next lap or something like that. Um, but yeah, we just had a pretty good um, routine, them handing me things and me going off. And the great thing about the track is you only have to carry something for 400 meters. Mm -hmm. Like all the other things, if I had to carry something, I had to carry it for a whole mile. So this is like, oh man, I'm just going to drink as much as I can in 400 meters, chuck it back over there and like keep on my way. I don't have to pause. I don't have to think like just, just go. It was the, the only thing you had to think about is like, look over your shoulder and make sure that, you know, you're not going to cut anyone off. That's, you know, going way faster than you. <laughs> but um, yeah, so like that first half was like pretty good. No aches or pains, like nothing, nothing major, just, just chilling. Um, yeah. So that was good. And then I think I took like, I, I did like a, a wardrobe change. <laughs> I think at like 12 hours or a little bit after or something um, just because like I've been sweaty all day and didn't want to get too cold at night because it was supposed to drop down to like low 40s um, and it got windy um, a, a little bit overnight you know just on like one section of the track of course um, so yeah I did outfit change like did shoe and sock change like re-lube everything um, ate a little bit more stuff probably like mashed potatoes and oatmeal and hot cocoa those were like my overnight things that I really like um and then got back out there um so yeah I think I had my music so I was probably being annoying and like singing to things sometimes <laughs> um but yeah that that went pretty well and I, I probably hit a couple other like little like slow patches kind of here and there and then we would you know fuel up a little bit I did end up getting a bit cold at one point and had to like put pants on because I had just like shorts the whole time. Um, and my crew was like, we can't let her get cold. Like if she gets cold, like it's all over. <laughs> so they were keeping an eye on me. Um, I had like gloves on too at one point. Cause it was just like, all right, just stay, stay warm without getting, you know, too sweaty basically. Um, and I think probably the hardest part of the day was sometime like a bit before sunrise I was just like all of a sudden I was like I can't run anywhere near as fast like oh geez I still have like maybe it was six hours to go and I was like I don't know if I can do this like I'm feeling I, I hit like 100 miles and maybe like somewhere after like 105 or something you can see like my splits are just like <laughs> not not great. Um, my crew was trying really hard. They were trying to get me to eat and drink stuff. And they said, I don't even remember a lot of this, <laughs> but they said that they would go by, offer me something. I'd be like, no, <laughs> <laughs> they'd like, go by next lap. They'd offer me something. I was like, no, I don't want it. <laughs> and then finally they just were like, shut up. You need to, oh, there goes my dog. Um, shut up. You need to eat this. And they like threw a banana in my face or something. And I was like, I don't want a banana, but they were like, eat it like you need <laughs> to eat something um and that banana probably like <laughs> turned that part of my race around because I just needed you know some calories I needed a little bit of something um and I'm not really someone who would eat like bananas during a race they usually uh they usually don't speak to me but that banana 
was, it was game changer. Um, so yeah, I think after that, I got back on track with like fueling. Um, and then I knew at a certain point, like, oh, geez, like, I know I'm going to PR, like, I, I know I'm going to hit 121, like, I can do that. I'm going to have time. And historically, I am someone who if I hit like a PR, or I, if I hit a predetermined, you know, arbitrary goal, that I'll be like, that's good enough. <laughs> like, I don't need to keep going. Like, this is fine. I did a good job. But for this, I was like, I didn't, one of the things going through my head was like, I didn't come all this way, you know, just to like stop early. And in my head, I was being a whole lot meaner to myself about that. There may have been some cursing, <laughs> but it was just like, you know, basically like you didn't come all this way to be a jerk, you know, like you have to go and finish this. Like you came here to do a job. Nothing is hurting. You're just, you're just tired and like a little sad. <laughs> Like you can turn it around. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that was like a big difference just like mentally, I guess that like I got over that really frustrating and bleh kind of hump. Um, and I remember seeing with like, I don't know exactly what it was, maybe an hour and a half or a little bit more to go than that. I had like nine miles to get to one thirty, And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> this is going to be like close. Can I, can I do nine miles in like an hour and a half right now? Like normally I'd be like, yeah, like that's fine. But can I, can I do that? And then like, just like chipping away at it. Um, and those, those last like hour and a half, two hours were just like, I apologize to everyone for all the noises that I was making on the track. <laughs> There's a lot of grunting, probably a lot of cursing. <laughs> um, it was hard. It was it was really hard, but I was very happy that like I stuck with it and didn't do my normal of being like, meh, this is good enough. And then there were a ton of people there. There not a ton, but like, you know, for for a random, you know, 24 hour like track ultra, like more people than you would think, which was super cool. Um and like I had this weird obligation and peer pressure to be like, oh, I gotta, there's people here. Like, I gotta keep going. <laughs> like, if I stop now, they're gonna be like, what are you doing? You have like an hour left, just like keep moving. Um, so yeah, it, it was a very good ending to the race, even though I was like struggling, you know, physically and mentally, like having everybody there, like legit, like cheering me on, like, saying my name I'm just like this is so cool <laughs> and then at the very very end it makes you feel really professional because they give you like a bean bag and then they're like all right you're gonna run with this bean bag and when the air horn blows you drop your bean bag but like you know you can keep running because if you're running kind of fast like you don't just want to stop at that point so I felt real cool with my beanbag. <laughs> Just like, all right, listen for the air horn, like drop the beanbag. And oh, it was it was so cool to have that like almost countdown. So you could be like, all right, I only have to run for like another minute. And I think I can like legit run hard for one minute. <laughs> my husband took like some really silly video of like the last 10 seconds. So I'm like, oh, I look like I'm actually running. <laughs> like, that's pretty good. So, uh, so yeah, it was... It was quite the quite the day, and I was 
super pleased and I couldn't believe that I hit this, you know, goal that I had set for myself because like I said, I'm kind of, I, I, I'm typically just someone who's like, oh, I got a PR, like that's good. <laughs> I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to push to be uncomfortable. Like I don't want to be uncomfortable, but I pushed and I was uncomfortable and it, it was great actually. <laughs> so when you hit the 130 mile mark, did you have a lot of emotion inside you? Were you thinking like, oh my gosh, this pie in the sky dream I had several years ago is now a reality? Yeah, I uh, I forget. People were saying like, I don't know, yelling really nice things from the the stands either at like, I forget what it was, like at 125 or 130 or maybe at both. I don't know. But when I hit one of them, I just remember being like, you guys are making me cry but I'm so dehydrated. Like I, I could feel my eyes like wanting to have tears, but I couldn't actually cry. <laughs> so I was like, if I could cry right now, I would. It was just, it was awesome. There was someone taking um, photographs there and I went over, and I think this was at the 1.30, um, but I went over and like gave my husband a hug like when I hit that and they actually got a picture of like that hug which I was like oh that's really cool <laughs> so it was just like a lot of emotions I think that was probably like I actually smiled <laughs> during that lap where the previous you know faces were all just really you know a lot of grimacing so it was yeah it was it was probably like the most emotional spot that I've ever had like in in a race because it's like wow you've worked hard to do this and like you actually kind of push yourself to do it and you didn't just kind of stop when it got a little like scary or uncomfortable, which would be my previous strategy. <laughs> it's been such a long journey. And, you know, even in just the 40 or 45 minutes, whatever it's been since we've started talking here, it's just like we've gone through this journey that you've gone through where, you know, like like you talked about years ago, you just thought in your head like, oh, like maybe I could hit a u.s team qualifier at some point and you, and you were just kind of like yeah we'll figure it out like down the line and like like you did it colleen you freaking no. did it <laughs> it was cool it is so I'm cool. pretty happy <laughs> it's so cool it is so cool so for um for the u.s team you qualified for to make the team based on their qualification standards for the 2025 world championships, which will be held in France. So explain how it works. They bring six men and six women, I believe. Is that right? Yes, correct. So I, while I qualified, I have a pretty good, like, I don't think my mark is going to stand as like actually being able to be on a team. Like there will be people who will put up likely like, much better numbers like into the 140s and stuff um so i'll have to try again <laughs> <laughs> to get to get some bigger numbers because you know the the pie in the sky dream of like the 130 which is to be like oh it'd be so cool to say like that i just hit that like minimum qualifying standard which is like very cool like i'm i'm super thrilled and then like that next step is like, all right, well, if I can do 130, like how close can I get to 140? And then if I can get closer to that, that would give me an actual like 
probably legit chance of actually getting a spot on the team. Um, so that's, that's the idea. <laughs> it's, it's, it's maybe a plan <laughs> to try, to try for that. Um, and yeah, just see like, can I do it? I don't know. I'll have a couple opportunities, hopefully. Um, you know, I think the qualifying period ends sometime in like May, 2025, because the, the champs is in, I want to say October. Um, so you have to, you know, get in that qualifying mark or that higher, you know, qualifying mark by that point. So that that's, that's, that's probably in the plan. See yeah. And so do. to fully explain for people listening who might not be familiar with it all. So they take the six best, um, I keep wanting to say times, but I guess dis distances, the six best, dis we're used to saying times for this sort of yeah. stuff for ultras, the six best distances for, for the men and the women. So what you're saying is like you ended up with um, 130.67 and you're saying that there are most likely going to be six women who run more than 130.67 before the world championships, which would mean that you wouldn't be on the team, even though you met the qualifying standard, correct? Correct. Yes. So if I wanted to actually be on the team, I'd have to put up another effort that is likely very, very close to 140 or even like into the low 140s. And that would probably be a bit safer. But still, like if people have great races, like who knows, <laughs> like that might you might have to be more in like the low 140s to truly be safe. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. See what my training brings. <laughs> So are you planning on sticking with Zach throughout all of this and planning another 24 hour race to try to go to around 140? Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um I I I have I had this silly idea um for one of these races that I wanted to do a I wanted to do something different because I turned 40 this year and I was like, hey, like what fun thing can I do? Um, and the the 24 hour races that I do right here in Jersey, they offer like multi-day. So there's one in May that I would always do the 24 hour, but this time I'm trying the six day just to like, see, like, do I like multi-day? Is it terrible? Um, I don't know. So that isn't going to be like, I'm not going to try to put out, you know, like a first 24 hour, you know, qualifying split for that because then <laughs> my, my next four or five days would be like pff, awful. Um, so that'll just be like for fun. I think that's, that's the plan right now. But as it gets closer, I might be like, Oh, like, can I, can I put up something nice for a six day? But this is my, I've never even done like a 48 hour. Like I have no idea what I'm doing for a six day. Um, so we'll be planning like kind of for that. That's in the middle of May. Um, and then I have another, I have a 24 hour, um, right here in Jersey again in the summer that is just kind of like, again, kind of like for fun because it's usually like 85 or a hundred degrees. Like the goal is don't die. Like mm -hmm. just enjoy the day. Um, it's, it's fun. It's, you know, like fundraising kind of stuff. It's just, just enjoy it. Um, and then, so my next legit opportunity probably for a qualifier, unless I find something else, you know, random, um, would be again here in Jersey at like one day at the fair, um, they do the 24, they have a 24 or 48 or 72, a whole bunch of different like shorter options. And I would likely try for the 24 hour there, um, which is like a one mile loop. And then 
see how that goes. And then I, I may have also just applied for desert solstice. Nice. <laughs> so I said to my husband, you want to go to Arizona in December? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, for what? <laughs> and he already knows what it's for. He knows it's for a race. Why? <laughs> we don't have family in Arizona. Like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> so have you also thought about, I guess, the Raven next year would still be within that qualifying window for 2025? Have you thought about coming back? I it's it is like close enough, um, like distance wise, like way easier than going to to Arizona. <laughs> so I probably would consider like, I mean, I don't see why not. <laughs> Just kind of like the weather is supposed to always be pretty good, um, you know, in February down there. So it's kind of like, all right, this could be a good other like like if I don't get into desert solstice, like okay, could I do the Raven again? And then that. You know, I'd have to put up something great there because you're only going to have, you know, a couple months before. But at least at that point, like, you will likely know who else put up really big numbers. So you'll be like chasing something, which sometimes can be good motivation. So, but yeah, I would, I, it was a great race. Like it was, everyone was nice. Everyone was super friendly. Jacob is like the most energetic person in the universe <laughs> he'd be like running by and he'd be like what we say he'd be like keep it rolling <laughs> he said that a lot and i was like i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying but uh yeah i think they put on like a great race it was everything like all the logistics and everything like the setup was wonderful um i've never been to a race that like has a table and a tent for you. Like, oh, it's fancy. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is something. Um, so yeah, that would be a potential, like, I haven't even thought about 2025 yet. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that could be a potential 2025 option, depending on where I am. <laughs> well, Colleen, it is so cool that you made the trip down to the Carolinas to, uh, you know, the home of the Carolina Ultra Runners podcast to come run a fantastic race, an incredible performance to pull off something that, um, like I mentioned at the beginning, everyone at that race had that same goal and you were the only one who were who was able to walk away with it, which is really cool. Congratulations on a fantastic performance and really best of luck, um, you know, continuing to chase those higher numbers so that we can secure you a spot in France in 2025. Uh, thank you so much. That would be, oh, that'd be wild. <laughs> this has been really great, Colleen. Thanks so much for joining me on the Carolina Ultra Runners podcast. Thank you.